Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Charges are being recommended in connection with a reckless stunt on the Lionsgate Bridge. It happened this morning, causing a traffic nightmare for hours today. Nadia Stewart joins us live with more details on this. Nadia, this involved a couple of guys visiting from Washington State. That's right. Two men in their 20s, they decided to climb the bridge just so they could take a photo. But they got a lot more than that. My first thought was, oh, that's a cool photo. <laughs> Sightseeing taken to a new extreme by two men in their 20s from Washington State who'd soon get more than they bargained for. It just looked like a couple of young guys that were out probably trying to have a fun time and get in trouble. It all started around 8.30 this morning with drivers making frantic calls to Vancouver police. We received several 911 calls reporting a man with a large backpack and reported to be a headlamp climbing up over the railing at the Lionsgate Bridge and starting to climb up the wires. They were as high as 70 feet above the bridge deck, but police couldn't immediately see them when they first arrived. So traffic was shut down. Northbound traffic used to just a single lane at this time of day. Southbound, of course, off the North Shore, the rush hour direction, bumper to bumper. And the high angle rescue team called in. Yeah, so our officers, as they were transitioning from the South Tower to the North Tower, they saw two men coming down the wires. Uh, with backpacks, get themselves back onto the bridge deck where they were apprehended by police. While witnesses looked on, turns out they climbed up there to snap photos. Photos worth a lot more than a thousand words. And I actually walk across the bridge fairly often, so it was kind of exciting to see something, people doing stuff that they knew they weren't supposed to be doing. <laughs> All right, Nadia, what kind of charges might these guys be facing? Well, they could be facing charges of mischief. But, Sophie, the real blow for these two young photographers, they had their cameras seized. Back to you. All right. Nadia Stewart reporting tonight. Thanks, Nadia. Breaking news now in the southern Caribou region. Residents of Hundred Mile House keeping a close eye on a wildfire near their community. The fire is burning just west of Hundred Mile House. It started this morning on Gustafson North Forest Service Road. It's quickly grown to about 225 hectares. 25 firefighters and two helicopters, as well as air tankers, are fighting the flames. No structures are currently threatened. It is burning in some relatively uh, dense timber, so it's, a, it's an aggressive fire. It's burning quite hot, uh, and that has certainly challenged our efforts. And given just how hot and dry it's been, uh, both in the Caribou and across most of British Columbia, uh, you know, these conditions are, uh, are what we can expect for the next week or so, given the weather. Uh, so unfortunately, I expect we are going to see a, a pretty marked increase in fire activity. And it's the same in the city, too. Fire crews wasting no time getting on top of this grass fire in East Vancouver. It broke out this afternoon just north of Great Northern Way. No word on a cause, but it's a good example of just how dry it is out there already. The VPD teaching a dog owner an important lesson about the summer heat. Vancouver police tweeting out these pictures of a dog left in a hot car on Tuesday. 
Police broke the window to get the dog out. When confronted, the owner disagreed with the officer that it was too hot until the officer invited him to try it himself. So he actually invited the owner to sit in the vehicle and see how hot it was. So the owner got into the car, sat there, lasted about three minutes, and this is with the broken window, so there was air still getting into the vehicle, and the owner finally came out after three minutes and agreed that, yes, it was way too hot and too uncomfortable for him to sit there any longer. Police are crediting an alert citizen who called it in with saving that dog's life. And meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with details of an air quality advisory that came out this afternoon. Christy? That's right. So, so you may have noticed the haze. The air quality advisory is for East Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. The amount of ground level ozone in the air is now high and officials are concerned for infants, elderly and anyone with asthma, lung or heart disease. And so it's sunlight that causes the pollutants to turn into this ozone and a lack of wind allows the concentrations to get so high. And the forecast is not showing much of a change. So we expect this advisory to remain in effect for days. All right. Thanks for that, Christy. Police need some help identifying a suspect in a sexual assault. It allegedly happened July 4th. The victim telling police she was driving on Highway 3, just west of Grand Forks, when she noticed a man in a newer silver Toyota SUV pull up beside her and look at her before pulling his vehicle in behind hers. The woman says he followed her to Boundary Creek Provincial Park, where she stopped to use the washroom. When she came out, she says the man attacked her. And that's the subject. Uh, the suspect described as a Caucasian man in his 40s, approximately six feet tall, average build with short blonde brown hair and a graying mustache. If you have any information, you're asked to contact Midway RCMP. Premier-designate John Horgan and his cabinet will be sworn in July 18th. And with the NDP in power, questions are being raised tonight about the future of the Massey Bridge project, which was a liberal-backed idea. As Ted Chernecki reports, while shovels are already in the ground, there are fresh calls for work to be stopped and the options to be reconsidered. Today you can see heavy equipment preloading a stretch along Highway 99 in anticipation of the building of the $3.5 billion Massey Bridge. Though few outside of government believe the bridge will actually cost that. During the campaign, the NDP suggested it would be more like $8 billion plus when you factor in interest charges and engineering challenges. Slam on the brakes, slam them on fast. This province, going all the way back to the Coquihalla Highway project, has had boondoggle after boondoggle after boondoggle. But for Delta's mayor, whose residents have the most to gain from a new bridge, it's all about safety, especially if there's a fire in the existing or any new tunnel. The bridge is the answer, she says, and the sooner it gets built, the better. It's ready to go. Everything's been done. All the approvals, all the public uh, 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 consultation, like, I don't know how many, 145 meetings. We got lots of money! Throughout, even a week before the start of the election campaign, when then-Transportation Minister Todd Stone was ducking under a doorway to avoid protesters, the Liberals had maintained that the decision to build a tall bridge had nothing to do with the Port of Vancouver wanting to bring larger ships up the Fraser. But a Richmond councillor says Freedom of Information documents obtained only recently suggest otherwise. The emails were quite clear from the port. They wanted the tunnel removed, and they wanted to dredge the river to 15 and a half metres. 
Richmond Council believes that kind of dredging would have a huge impact on the environment from the fishery to farmland irrigation. But Delta's mayor is tired of everyone using her bridge as a political football. You have to look at the facts. Don't look at the politics. Don't look at the emotion. Look at the facts. This week, Richmond passed a resolution asking staff to come up with an alternative, and no one is suggesting doing nothing is an option. Tetranaki Global News. And while we're on the topic of transportation, this is a live shot of the Patella Bridge. And a reminder, next weekend, it will be closed for repairs. The 80-year-old bridge requires regular maintenance and repair work to keep it operational. It will be closed starting Friday, July 14th at 9 a.m. right through to 5 a.m. Monday, July 17th. Construction on the Patella Replacement Project is expected to start in 2019 once funding is secured. Human error is being blamed for that train derailment in Washington State last weekend. The Amtrak passenger train derailed about 73 kilometers south of Seattle, leaving some passengers with minor injuries. Amtrak says the train failed to slow down to the 40-mile-per-hour speed limit while approaching the Chambers Bay drawbridge. As a result, a special switch designed to avoid a catastrophe if the drawbridge is open as a train approaches was activated. The locomotive, baggage car, and four passenger cars slid off the track. The train's engineer has been removed from his post. Well, the province took steps to cool a red-hot housing market in Metro Vancouver, and now the capital region may need the same treatment. Real estate is booming in Victoria, with multiple over-asking offers becoming the norm. Nitu Garcha explains one of the key factors driving up demand. So this is the area where I recently just sold a beautiful suite. And the asking price for that downtown Victoria condo, 678000 It sold for 14000 more than that at six ninety two. Well, unfortunately, it's become norm to put in over asking prices. So how much extra are greater Victoria buyers coughing up? This realtor crunched some numbers from the Victoria Real Estate Board. I saw those sheer numbers. It was staggering. In the first six months of 2017, she says for Strata properties, buyers spent nearly $22 million in excess of the listing price. For single family dwellings, about $52 million over asking. It makes a total of almost $74 million spent above listing prices for all residential sales in the region. The bottom line, high demand, not enough supply. We have a crucial rental housing crisis in the Capital Regional District. It's one reason View Royal's mayor recently voted in favor of a controversial rezoning. 161 apartments at Christie Point to be redeveloped. A $200 million project bringing in nearly three times as many units all for rent. The biggest housing project in the community's history. From my perspective, I don't know how maintaining the status quo can lead to a change in the situation. So what's driving prices up and vacancies down? Our economy in Greater Victoria is very strong. Our unemployment rate is really low. Um, the interest rates are low. And I think our community is growing. And while Vancouver has tried measures like a tax on foreign buyers and clamping down on Airbnb, what's the solution here? I really believe that the market will take care of itself. Burgess says the tides are bound to turn. The question is just when. Neetu Garcha, Global News, Victoria. The SPCA is looking for the owner of a Doberman Pinscher puppy left seriously injured and abandoned on the side of the road. This is Lola. She was found on the side of the road at 264th Street and 64th Avenue in Langley. Her tail was swollen and infected, caused by a zap strap. 
SPCA believes someone put on the zap strap in an attempt to do a home amputation for cosmetic purposes. Uh, she'll be in foster care until she's medically cleared and her spay is done. And then if we don't find owners, then she'll be adopted out. Well, the SPCA is, of course, hoping someone can help identify the owners. They're worried there may be more puppies in the litter that are being subjected to the same type of cruelty. The technology that could turn you into a better driver. It's already being built into a lot of new automobiles, a little electronic black box that records nearly every detail about how and where you drive. Now, a UBC researcher has studied what happens when drivers hand that information over to their insurance company. What happens when Big Brother rides shotgun in just over a minute? They call it the welcome to hell protest. The violent clashes G20 leaders face as they meet in Hamburg, Germany, coming up on the news hour. And someone forgot to tell this pony about royal protocol. Why it got a gentle telling off from the queen. So how would you feel knowing that someone was monitoring every move you make behind the wheel? Your speed, your braking, turning, even the route you take. As John Wah reports, a new UBC study says it could help lower insurance rates. We're braking, we're braking, we're braking. No one braking, likes a braking. backseat driver. Too fast, too fast, too fast. Watching your every move behind the wheel. It's on the right, you're close on the right. But would you endure that constant judging of your driving to save a few dollars on car insurance? You can be monitored by your driving performance in your car, and based on how well you drive, uh, your rate will be set appropriately. It's called usage-based insurance. A device like this one is attached to your vehicle, tracking everything from acceleration to hard braking. It even beeps when you're doing something wrong. The company says, we'll give you a discount for using it, and we'll also agree that we're never going to raise your premium based on your driving behavior. A UBC study found the UBI devices can lead to better driving and in turn lower rates. Data like speed, miles driven, GPS location. Insurance companies across North America adopting the new technology. We think there's lots of opportunity. Uh, we just think it's early days. So we're, we're basically taking our time and watching what others do. And watching could be the issue, making insurance companies not backseat drivers, but more like Big Brother. Collecting data on where and when you're heading somewhere. What access do third parties have to the data? Uh, what are the issues associated with people giving up uh, you know, information that they would otherwise not normally have to tell insurance companies? So for now, adding the device to your vehicle is purely voluntary, aimed at those self-proclaimed good drivers who don't mind having a backseat driver in a little black box. John Hua, Global News. Well, some children on summer vacation in Burnaby are getting the experience of a lifetime thanks to their local fire department. So slowly open this door, slowly, you're ready, okay, go ahead. A four-day summer camp put on by the Burnaby Fire Department teaches kids how to put out fires, navigate the low visibility of smoky buildings, practice first aid, and even use the jaws of life to get injured people out of a wrecked vehicle. We always have trouble attracting uh, a diverse group of candidates, and so this way it gives exposure to people that normally wouldn't consider firefighting as a career. The most challenging would probably be going into the building with smoke for sure, but I really enjoyed the experience. To not to psych yourself out before you do it, like the SCBAs, I was really scared of them. And I just figured out now that I was actually not that bad at them, and they're not that scary, so. The hard work they have to go through every day 
It's a lot of work. The Burnaby Fire Department says students who take the course could have somewhat of an edge over the hundreds of applicants the department gets every year. We have much more video of today's event online. Our website is globalnews.ca slash bc. A lot of work indeed. Oh, yes. Well, it seemed like a simple job and turned into anything but. He said he needed 50% down, so I gave him a company check. How deck repairs turned into a wild goose chase until Consumer Matters stepped in. Also ahead, Mastermind. What makes Vladimir Putin a formidable foe at the negotiating table? From those who know. Well, the nightmare is over for Fraser Valley family, thanks to our Consumer Matters team. Andrew is here now with the story. And this all started with their need for some deck improvements. Well, Chris, that was the intention. It didn't turn out that way. Thank you. It's a cautionary tale to do your research before hiring anyone to do work around your home. A Chilliwack couple hired a company and tried desperately to get their deposit back after they canceled their contract. After exhausting all options for almost a year, they turned to Consumer Matters for help. Navarro Paving was going to come and put a, a seal on our whole deck. But Nick Krawcheck says that never happened. Last year, the Chilliwack couple called Enviro Paving to get their deck redone. The president of the company, Jason Shano, came out to the property, gave them a quote, and the Krawcheck signed a contract paying a deposit of over $1,400. I gave him a company check for half of the cost, and he said he would, they would be coming in approximately three weeks. The contract was signed on July 7, 2016. Work on the Krawcheck's deck was to start on August 4, 2016. But Nick Krawcheck says when he called Jason Shaynow's cell phone to confirm the installation, he says Shaynow kept pushing the project to a later date. Could never get in touch with him. Growing increasingly suspicious, the Krawcheck say they started researching Enviro paving and found several bad reviews. They decided to cancel the contract and get their deposit back, notifying Jason Shano right away. So I faxed in, I emailed him a copy of everything, and I sent it to him via text on his phone. And he responded by saying he'll send it to his accounting department. But the Krawchucks say they never heard from Shano or anyone from the company again. So after 11 months, the Krawchucks turned to Consumer Matters for help. Turns out the Better Business Bureau in both B.C. and Alberta have given Enviro Paving an F rating. Jason Shano and Enviro Paving are facing fraud and theft charges in Alberta, along with several charges under the Fair Trading Act, which is designed to protect consumers from unfair business practices. Those charges have yet to be proven in court. What is that? Shano agreed to an interview with us at his head office in Vancouver. However, right before that interview, the Krawcheck's got their $1,400 deposit back via e-transfer. We start investigating, we're about to do an interview, and finally you give them the money that, they, that is owed to them, their deposit back. I just converted their material yesterday. I just got back to Vancouver from training our new franchisee two days before that. I mean, you know in our emails back and forth when I was going to be here. Yeah, you responded to us, but you didn't respond to them. So how come you're able to respond to us so quickly, but not to the Krawchucks? For 11 I months in the, the dark. I Krawchucks. I've had numerous people that we've been responding to that are looking for various things from us. Immediately after that interview, we visited Nick Krawchuk again for his response. When you're watching this, do you believe him? 
No. No. I believe he refunded it because you guys were doing the story. You know, Better Business Bureau couldn't help. Uh, consumer protection couldn't help. And Consumer Matters definitely helped. Thank you. Again, this is a reminder to read reviews and to check references when dealing with home service professionals. In fact, according to a national survey by HomeStars, a Canadian company which publishes reviews written by homeowners, 75% of homeowners did not check online reviews before hiring contractors. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's all my information. You can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Great work once again, Mm -hmm. Anne. All right, thanks very much. There may be some unsatisfied customers after this story. Rogers customers are going to pay bigger penalties for going over their data limit. The communications company is hiking its overage rates by a whopping 40%. The increase applies only to new customers or existing ones who change their plans. Bell introduced a similar hike in April. Every time I would go over a little bit, I'd have to pay like a lot. So I think it's stupid that they're raising it even more. These businesses just have just too much leverage compared to the consumers. Rogers says consumers can avoid overage charges by using its data management app. And there are reports tonight that Microsoft is planning to cut thousands of jobs, most of them outside the U.S. The reports say sales and marketing will take the biggest hits as the company focuses on its fast-growing cloud business. No word on how many cuts will hit Canadian offices like the ones in Vancouver. A look inside Vladimir Putin's playbook ahead of his face-to-face with Donald Trump. Plus, violent clashes in Germany as world leaders arrive for the G20 meetings. And the brutal truth about football revealed after the death of a former BC Lion legend. German police use water cannons and tear gas to disperse protesters ahead of the G20 summit in Hamburg. This began when police demanded militant anti-capitalist protesters remove their masks, and they refused. More than 100,000 protesters are expected in Hamburg for the summit. And all eyes will be on the one-on-one meeting between U.S. President Donald Trump and Russian President Vladimir Putin. As NBC's Richard Engel reports, it's a rare summit between two powerful men with markedly different approaches to their roles as head of state. For President Trump, meeting President Putin may be a way to thumb his nose at critics to show he's not scared of the multiple investigations into his inner circle's ties to the Kremlin. But for Russians who have tried to stand up to Putin, Trump is being played and And has been from the start. He's definitely playing into Putin's hands. Garry Kasparov is a Putin critic and iconic Russian chess grandmaster. He says Putin is no strategist but understands power. Putin is a dictator. And dictators, by definition, in my view, don't play chess, so that's why I believe I have to defend the integrity of my game. I would rather say he's playing a poker game. He's a poker player. He's a poker player. He's a card player. He's a gambler. A gambler who keys in on his opponent's weaknesses. Putin has gone out of his way to flatter President Trump. Trump, uh, psychologically, would be the ideal counterpart. With his massive ego, uh, with his um, uh, rejection of the rules. While Trump wears his emotions on his Twitter feed, Putin, the former KGB colonel, as the ultimate poker face. American presidents have thought they could read him before. I was able to 
get a sense of his soul. I found him to be very smart. But failed. Former ambassador to Russia Mike McFaul has been in the room during high-stakes meetings with President Putin. Putin loves intelligence data. He does his homework to know the full brief of the people that he deals with, including most certainly uh, President Trump. An American earthquake felt in Canada. That's a light in a Calgary high rise swaying as an earthquake in Montana made its way to this side of the border. The tremors were also felt in southern B.C. as far as Metro Vancouver. The 5.8 magnitude quake struck near Lincoln, Montana, knocking groceries off store shelves, taking out power and rattling nerves. No injuries have been reported. Caught on video, two men plucked from a life-threatening situation in the Eurasian country of Georgia. The two were among locals gathering firewood along a river when the water levels surged and they were surrounded by strong currents. A helicopter was called in for a risky rescue mission hovering just inches above the raging water so the two could climb in. Rick Klassen was a star lineman in the CFL, taking the field for the BC Lions in a position that involved constant punishment to his body. Klassen died of cancer last year, but his family always felt there was something else wrong. As Squire Barnes reports, an autopsy has proven them right and once again has raised the controversy over concussions in football. Like so many football players, the late Rick Klassen loved the game more than the game loved him. And that's the way it is with football. The body parts pay a high toll. Few ever get through a career unscathed. And for Klassen, it was his head that paid the biggest price. He had three major concussions uh, when he played, as in getting knocked out completely. And then, of course, on every play as a defensive lineman, you're, you're banging helmets with, uh, with guys. So he told me that uh, he had probably uh, about a thousand or, or thousands of little mini concussions uh, from, from all that impact. They didn't really know how to treat them or how to, uh, how to prevent them or really didn't have very much knowledge. Klassen suspected he had CTE, a degenerative brain condition caused by headshots. An autopsy on his brain shows the damage was extensive. He was 57 when he died, but his brain looked like that of a man in his 80s. If you saw his test results and his brain autopsy, you wouldn't think it was the same person. And that's the thing about CTE. It can slowly turn you into someone else. That's why you see a lot of the players... uh, have difficulties post-career uh, because uh, it's not easy when you can't control your emotions. It's very difficult to have any kind of you know, relationships with people when you can't control how you feel. And even though he is no longer with us, men like Rick Klassen are helping to tackle the problem of concussions in sports. They paid a high price that hopefully the next generation of players will never have to pay. Cool story. But a guy who gave a lot to that football team. A new immersive experience at Vancouver Aquarium. <laughs> a thrilling view of sea lions you've never had before. And participation is victory for this soccer team from Tibet. How they've made history just by being here. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. 
what could possibly lead Queen Elizabeth, who loves horses, to tell an adorable pony to go away? That cheeky pony. The answer coming up after the forecast. How embarrassing for the pony. Really? In front of all the other ponies. Actually, I think it was the only one there. Yeah. All right. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now as we watch that temperature rise. Christy. We smashed records across the province today, you guys. 18 of them fell. And the hotspot across Canada today was Trail Warfield, where we hit 40 degrees. Uh, they potentially broke a record, but we don't have stats there. But here's a look at some of the numbers. Uh, just three of them out of the 18, the most significant ones, Kamloops hitting 38.5 degrees, breaking a record from 1906, Castlegar close to 38 degrees, 1968, and look at Nelson, a record from 1922, smashing it by more than two degrees. So these are incredible heat, and we saw right across the province. Now, the south coast regions, uh, the areas that broke records were Squamish and out towards Hope, uh, potentially a few others, but again, we don't have a lot of numbers in these areas or stats in these areas. For example, in areas like Langley, but Langley hit 30 degrees, Agassiz 30, near the water and airport uh, 24, and White Rock surprisingly only 22, and that's because of a bit of an onshore breeze there. But we are keeping in that uh, special weather statement. So today was hot across western sections. That is the peak of the heat. Tomorrow's going to cool off a little bit. But those of you in the interior and through eastern sections, it is going to continue, and that's why we're keeping in that special weather statement right through until Sunday. Things will moderate a little bit over the weekend, but not much. It's still going to be hot. Sophie, I know you're heading there over the weekend. Expect the heat. All right, so here's the northern regions. A change for the north coast. Showers pushing in there with a risk of thunderstorms. Those of you in Prince George and Quinnell, hot and sunny, but there's a slight chance of a thunderstorm in your region, and that extends down into Williams Lake and Valemont as well. Meanwhile, across the south, hot and sunny once again. 35 potentially in Cologne and Kamloops, so slightly cooler than what you saw today. But Asuyu staying hot, Castlegar staying hot, and all of the areas across those eastern sections, Columbia and Kootenai area. Uh, south Coast, these are your temperatures for tomorrow, 23 to 25 from Metro Vancouver, potentially 28 degrees inland on Vancouver Island. And we are going to hold that heat through until Saturday into Sunday as well, and still more sunshine after that. A little windy near the water for us tomorrow, though. Otherwise, uh, beautiful. Paul Pern turned 101 today in Duncan. Gwen Calvert also celebrating 100 years in Duncan. Eileen Patterson celebrating 100 in Victoria. And tonight's weather window, an action shot from Debbie in Langley. And she said, trying to snap a photo of these guys is like playing a video game. <laughs> she did well. Yeah, she sure did. Beautiful. Thanks, Christy. Well, Queen Elizabeth has spent her life around horses and clearly knows how to handle a naughty pony. During a visit to a Scottish castle, the monarch came upon a clearly hungry Shetland pony that thought her flowers looked delicious. Go away. Go away. Well, it was all in good fun. The queen patting the pony on the nose and telling its handler they always eat the flowers. <laughs> Still looking like he wants to eat them. Maybe she gave them to him later. Well, within the tragedy of the loss of its beluga whales, the Vancouver Aquarium has found an opportunity to spotlight some of its other residents. But as Linda Aylesworth reports, the aquarium says the new exhibit is not just for show, but also for critical research. These are stellar sea lions. They're not new to the Vancouver Aquarium. Oh, those are huge. But the exhibit is. Welcome to Stellar's Bay. 
It is dramatically different than our historical displays in a few ways. Most notably, we've taken the research that we've been doing with our partners at University of British Columbia and we've brought it out front. The sea lions, which were kept behind the scenes, came here as youngsters in 1993 as part of a research project to learn why their populations had plummeted worldwide by 80% in just one decade. Our research here is doing things um, to determine how much food the animals need, what their nutritional requirements are. What Andrew Trites learned was that wild stellar sea lions, which had switched their diet to a lean fish called pollock, weren't getting enough fat. The key here is that for an adult, they can do fine on it, but for a young animal, they're going to stay with their mother longer to nurse. Which prevents the mother from reproducing. 24 years later, Trite's research continues. But now it's going to take place in the former beluga whale pool. So you're going to have a chance to see them in a way that very few people get to see them. It's a whole new perspective. When you're looking up and you see them literally stretching, you know, six, seven feet across, moving through the water so gracefully. Ashby and Rogue are two of six animals that we have here. Throughout the day, when actual research isn't taking place, there will be trainer talks and displays of the many behaviors they've been taught that make information gathering possible. I think the time is right to have the public watch science being done to engage so I think it's through this is going to inspire kids in particular to want to be scientists, to become not just scientists, but marine biologists. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Those sea lions are bigger than those kids. <laughs> Squeals of delight from the kids, mm -hmm. though. Uh, you mentioned earlier how hot it's going to be mm -hmm. in the Okanagan. You're going there this weekend for the Penticton Grand Fondo? The Grand Fondo, yeah. That is going to be hot. Water. I'm, th I'm thinking maybe I'll skip the bike and just find an air-conditioned car. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> as long as you got Chardonnay in your water bottle down there. I'm oh, sure yeah, that's fine. hydration for sure. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Mm -hmm. I, see, I, I thought the sea lions were some sort of lead into the BC lions. Get it? Mm. Oh, oh, yeah. See what I did there? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, Take yeah. it away. Ah. Whitecaps last night, Jordy Reyna said hola to Vancouver. He has the ability to do uh, that something special. Yes, the newest white cap has exciting skills and exciting hair as well. <laughs> That's true. Also tonight, a young soccer team crossing borders and cultural boundaries with an historic trip to Vancouver. Will there be more fans in the stands for the BC Lions in Montreal? Well, uh, yes, more in Montreal than in Toronto. Toronto was like a kid's soccer game. It was pretty much family and friends. Yeah. It really was. And, and actually, the Lions could use some more people at BC Place when they play as well. The Lions didn't even come home after that win against Toronto last week. They stayed out east to get ready for tonight's game against Montreal. So for this week and this week only, travel has been removed from the book of excuses that you break out in case of a loss. Man, he's putting on the foil like in slap shots. A year ago. One went up. First drive. Jeremiah Johnson's got it. Go to the corner. 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 Touchdown. Scores. Two-pointer failed. 6-0 Lions after one. Look who plays in Montreal now. Not just Jovan Olafoye, but another former Lion, Ryan Phillips, who played here for over a decade. 12 years. 6-6 at halftime. 
third quarter. Jennings, this pass is tipped and picked. But wait, Travis Lule with his trusty iPad runs to Wally Buono and says, hey look, it was interference. Throw the challenge flag. He did, and the penalty or the interception was overturned. That's a good backup quarterback. Jennings, still 6-6, running, running. That's a first down, would set up a field goal. Well, not a lot of scoring in this game. It's 9-9 now in the fourth quarter. Back in January, the Vancouver Whitecaps signed Peruvian midfielder Jordi Reyna. It looks like Jordi, but it's pronounced Jordi. But he broke his foot in the preseason and was kind of forgotten about. Last night in his first ever game at BC Place with the Whitecaps, he reminded everyone, including management, why they were so excited when they first got him to come here. Bodies arriving in the penalty area. Nerwinski with the cross. Reyna! Talk about making a lasting first impression. 23-year-old Peruvian Jordi Reyna, who the Caps acquired in the offseason, made his home debut last night. He'd missed the first four months of the season with a broken foot, but he showed why the Caps wanted him in their lineup so badly. We had hoped that that's what, uh, what kind of impact he'd have on our team, and I think we saw a glimpse of it tonight. But what's very encouraging is he's still not anywhere near as fit as what he should be, so exciting. He, he wants to get on the ball. You know, he wants to get on ball. I think you see his tricks and flicks. I want him to do them in the right areas. When they come off, it's great. And, but I want him to do them in the final third, because if he does them in the final third areas, then we create chances or we score goals. So, you know, I, I want my players to express themselves in the final third areas. The Caps could use a little dash and flair up front. It excites the fans, but more importantly, excites and inspires the rest of the team to be creative as well. And that's a great mindset to have moving forward. Our focus is making the playoff. And uh, this is a, a huge opportunity for us to get the confidence back, to know that at home we, we have one style and, and we, we want to believe in that. You can see pieces coming together, guys coming on the field, contributing uh, from the bench. We still have a lot of work to do, we do, um, but the more we can get everybody contributing like that, the more we can gel as a team, um, you know, the better. Whitecaps have a two-week break now and won't play again until the 19th in L.A. against the Galaxy. Very delay Global Sports. Milos Ronic, Mikhail Yuzny, second round match, Wimbledon. Ronic lost the first set and nearly lost the second set. But he fought back to win the second set, 7-6. And he won the third set, then in the fourth. Wow, take that. Nice. That first set loss was just a blip. Took two hours, 40 minutes, but he moved on to the next round. So did Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic. I have to show you this point today. Karolina Pliskova, Magdalena Rivarikova. Now that I've said those names, I'm not going to say them again. Just enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Yes. These shots aren't particularly hard, but they are impressive. There you go. And last but not least, the Greenbrier Classic from West Virginia, Davis Love III. It's now Davis Love the 53rd. He's 53 years old. Chip and birdie, 700 par, 63. Nick Taylor of Abbotsford, this 
to within two yards of the hole. He would make the birdie, get to minus five, two back of love. Then on the seventh, oh, wait a minute, let's watch him putt first. I'm getting ahead of myself. All right, now on the seventh. Said three Currently five under par. Very nice. This one, the two feet, made that birdie, six under 64. Sebastian Munoz has the lead. He is three ahead of Taylor after shooting a nine under 61. Par 70 today, there you go. All right, thank you, sir. Thanks, Squire. Let's check in with Andrew now with a uh, look ahead to Global News at 11, including breaking details about that fire near 100 Mile House. Anne? That's right, Sophie. The wildfire is raging west of the town, and we're now hearing some properties are being evacuated near the danger zone. The wildfire is an estimated 260 hectares in size. About 60 firefighters have been called in to battle the fire. Crews are also fighting the flames from the air. An evacuation centre has been set up for those who've been displaced. We'll have more on this story and the rest of the day's news when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. All right. Thanks, Anne. And when we come back, a soccer team from Tibet that scored a victory just arriving in Vancouver. That story's next. All right, thank you very much, Cheryl. Well, among the 30 teams taking part in this year's Vancouver International Soccer Festival starting tomorrow will be a world first. The first women's team of any sport from Tibet to compete internationally. But as Paul Johnson reports, it didn't come without controversy. Good touch. Tuning up for the big tournament this weekend. It's not unusual for a soccer team to travel a long way, but there's little that's typical in the story of these women. You can still see the astonishment in the face of Captain Jam Yang Chatsu. We face so many obstacles, but somehow we reach here on 29th uh, June. If you can't place the names or accents, you wouldn't be alone. These women are ethnic Tibetans, but currently living in India after their families fled the Chinese takeover of Tibet in the 1950s. With Tibet now officially a province of the People's Republic of China, playing on something called the Tibet's women's team isn't just difficult, it's controversial. You might say this is the very definition of what it means to be a political football. These young athletes are here only to play soccer. Yet the international political situation that they have nothing to do with prevents them from playing in tournaments and in countries they've been invited to. What a journey they have been on. Adri Hamel is the founder of the International Soccer Festival. Happening in Vancouver this weekend, he heard about the team after they were denied entry to the U.S. recently because of their status. On a hunch, he thought maybe they could get to Canada. The Canadian embassy thankfully granted these 15 women visas to come to Canada. So when the Tibetans take the field in East Vancouver this weekend, it's going to be a first not just for Canada, but for them as well. This is the first time we are participating as a team called Team Tibet. And headed for what's likely to be some tough competition. Team Tibet goes into the tournament knowing they've already accomplished something. For us, uh, if people know about Tibet, that is a victory for us. Paul Johnson, Global News. Good for them. I love that they made it. I love the coach has one name. That is so soccer. That's right. One name. You don't need any more than one. Gompo. That's it. (laughs) All right. For those of you hitting the. 
bike path? It's not really the bike path. It's the hills around Penticton. It's oh, going to be a blazing thirsty. scorcher. That's right. Then water. So uh, for the interior and eastern sections of the province, the peak of the heat should be tomorrow. For the us, it was really today. Things will moderate a little bit, but look at those numbers. Not by much, everyone. It's still mm-hmm. going to be hot and sunny right through until early next week. Early.